This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Hello and welcome in episode 22 of Bustin' Loose Baseball. I'm Danny Ruye along with Darren Stammer. Grant will be back from Los Angeles probably later on this week. He was there at All-Star Festivities. Uh, he had a front row seat to the Juan Soto press conference. He saw Juan Soto win the home run derby. He saw Juan Soto be the center of the baseball universe. Soto should have been part of the menagerie, should have been part of a, a really fun all-star kind of long weekend here where the best in baseball get together. So many great young players uh, honoring some legends like Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols and the like. But the story was Juan Soto. The story is the Nationals. The story is the worst team in baseball and maybe not being able to pay a huge asking price for the young phenom. So since we recorded this, uh, recorded last episode on Monday, a couple things have happened, right? Soto spoke uh, at uh, in advance of the Home Run Derby, the all-star media availability, said some very heartfelt things, uh, talked about how he seemed blindsided by the fact that that offer came out. He was disappointed, said he wasn't sure what to trust, given that the organization, uh, with Mike Rizzo being the one that said this, wasn't going to trade him, and now all of a sudden it sounds like he's open for business. And and some people have said that this is just Boris pulling strings and uh, Boris is the one that leaked it. You know, that's pretty... Machiavellian, I would say, if that is indeed the case. I wouldn't put it past Scott Boris, but this really does seem like it came from the organization talking about that offer of 15 years, $440 million coming out. So Scott Boris has since sat down with John Heyman of the New York Post, and John Heyman uh, joined the Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan and had some pretty revealing insights, which I'll, I'll relate to you guys here in a few moments. But, Darius, we've moved the ball down the field here a little bit, and I think there are three things we need to tackle here. The next couple of weeks for Soto, the Nationals, and Nationals fans, what that's going to mean. The offseason, if it doesn't happen in the next couple of weeks, talking about a Soto trade or, or, or a move, new ownership, and then kind of where this organization goes from here. Okay, so let me give you a couple, couple nuts and bolts again before uh, we get into those three things here with this episode. John Heyman this morning, and we're recording this Wednesday, uh, what the heck is today? July something or other. I don't know. It's like 20th? 20th. July 20th. I, I nailed that. I know exactly what day it is, <laughs> obviously. Anyway, July 20th, John Heyman this morning said he sat down with Scott Boris in a wide-ranging interview, basically pointed to Max Scherzer's annual average value of around $43 million. Now, granted, that's a short-term deal for the Mets, for a Hall of Famer, for a team that's about to or, or trying to win it all that's really competitive, and it's a shorter-term deal, so you can have a higher asking price. Boris's point was, why are we talking about a 23-year-old future Hall of Famer on a career arc at minimum that's a Miguel Cabrera, that's a, uh, you know, that, that's a Pujols style, um, uh, a career arc, which is Hall of Famer. At maximum, you're talking Ted Williams. At maximum, you're talking a Mickey Mantle. You're talking about one of the greatest to ever play this game available before he turns 25 years old. Why are we saying that his annual average value should be below what Max Scherzer, a, another surefire Hall of Famer and superstar, still able to perform at a really high level. Why should his value be lower than that? Simply because the deal is longer, as money will increase, and you know those values will get superseded and the like. When you start doing some back-of-the-napkin math, just say $40 million for 15 years. Can you guys do that in your head? Take your time. That's $600 million. 
If you do 43 million for 12, 13, 14 years, you're approaching that same amount. That's a staggering number. Now, that's from Boris's perspective. I am not advocating that. Simply, again, passing the word on to you guys. So if that's the case, I wonder if that changes your opinion about the Nationals and how they're behaving. I wonder if they got a sense that that's what it was going to take, and they go, I know our context, I know our history, I know a bunch of our fans, and and I don't don't blame you guys at all, are going to be furious about this, but we can't go there. We simply can't do 42, 43, 44, $45 million a year for a decade and a half for anybody, no player, and still be able to build a competitive team. We could do that, and we could sell our Soto jerseys and recoup some of it, and we could lose 100 games a year because you got to get everything right on the cheap. You're on a budget if you're the Nationals organization in this. And some of you guys don't want to hear that, and I'm not upset at you for it. You just go, the learners are billionaires. You put your fingers in your ears, and you don't think of anything else. And this is not me being, me being a show for the team either, by the way. I'm telling you right now, they got plenty where they're at fault in this entire process. I think they screwed up the Anthony Rendon thing, and I will I will go to my grave thinking that. They should have offered him a contract years before they did, but they gambled because he'd been hurt some, waited until the end, and of course he left. Now, here's the thing. Had they signed Anthony Rendon, we'd be going through the same thing with him, where it's another bad contract for them. Okay? The Steven Strasburg thing has blown up in their face. They, they basically stopped trying with Trey Turner once Francisco Lindor signed his mega deal. There's plenty to fault the Nationals for on this, guys. But I'm simply saying I understand a team without an unlimited budget, and the Nationals don't have that. If they had their own great TV deal, if they had you know the appropriate amounts of, of revenue streams and cash coming in, this might be more feasible. You'd say, whatever, dude, pay the luxury tax, go win 95 games and 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 build around Soto. Pretty easy. Hard to do. You gotta get a lot of pieces right. You gotta have cheap guys like like Howie Kendrick fall into your lap and hit two of the most clutch home runs in human history. You got to have a you know a, a, a Patrick Corbin uh, be able to pitch at both as a starter and out of the bullpen. You got to have all sorts of crazy crap go right. If any of those ninth inning rallies, those eighth inning rallies fall short, if Ryan Zimmerman's pop up off Josh Hader gets caught, we don't have this story that we have. We have another bit of playoff disappointment. It's really really hard to to, to, to walk that line. And the Nationals, when they were competitive, had a top ten payroll every year. And for teams that can't print their own money, I think that's a reasonable ask. Now. What I would also argue, by the way, as, as we're kind of offering nuts and bolts on this, is they do need to up their spending. I'm not talking about the Major League payroll. I'm talking about player development. This Nationals organization, I think, is woefully being outspent in the arms race that is you know, being able to call guys up, have the Major League ready. Their process right now is not great. They're not yielding the results from that farm system that they simply need to to be able to compete at this highest level. But that's some nuts and bolts. I, I know I meandered a lot there, Darius. First things first— the next couple of weeks, what is this going to look like for the Nationals, Nationals fans, Juan Soto? What are you expecting? Well, according to John Heyman this morning, these next couple of weeks are going to look like a trade's not going to happen, which uh, goes against what Buster Olney has been saying the last couple of days where he thinks uh, a lot of the executives and rival executives around the league expect something to happen. So this is going to be an interesting next couple of weeks, especially because we have a lot of other Trades that we need to make. We're going to have to trade Josh Bell. We're going to have to trade Nelson Cruz. There may be a reliever or two that we're going to trade, such as Carl Edwards. You're going to mix all that in with the potential of trading Juan Soto. It's going to be a very crazy next couple of weeks here leading up to the trade deadline here at the beginning of August. August 2nd is your trade deadline, just under two weeks away from right now this minute. So I thought all along, and I'm, I'm, I, there's a great chance I'm proven wrong here, but this is how I felt about it, just reading the tea leaves. I think this ownership question, working back from an end result that, that I think some people want here, Darius, and that is November owners' meetings, 
they'd like to be able to have as an agenda item, let's ratify the new Nats ownership group. Let's make it official. Let's make it formal. They all have to go through this huge approval process if you're, you know, your your billions of dollars or of assets are changing hands. But at that point, they'll go, hey, here's your new owners. You guys are in the club. Learners, you're out. Thanks so much. You know, we wash our hands of it. Working back from that, this is only a couple of weeks and days to sort of get some of this major stuff done. And here's what I mean. This is not a do you trade Josh Bell a guy in the last year of his deal. This is not a uh, you know, do you move on from Carl Edwards, a reclamation project that might fetch you something in free agency in terms of a, of a guy in A-ball that, that might one day make the show? This is a franchise directional type potential trade here with Juan Soto. I think any new ownership will want a resolution to that before they take, before they start saying, you know, this is, for example, let's say right now the offer, and I'm, I'm going to use very simplistic language here. Let's say the offer from... From you, Darius, prospective owner is $2 billion. Mm-hmm. If Juan Soto's under contract for $550 million over the course of 15 years, maybe I'm going, well, you're giving me this expense. I'm inheriting this thing. I now only offer you $1.8 billion. Or it could, it could go up. I don't know. The other side is, okay, we've got nothing but cheap assets now. We've got uh, two guys with major league control of, of five years plus. We've got four great prospects uh, that have all have a chance to be really good and a chance to reset this organization. So instead of $2 billion, now it's worth $2.1. Again, I don't know. Maybe it goes down, maybe it goes up. But you're still talking about tens, hundreds of millions of dollars potentially hinging on this next couple of weeks of a move. Right, So that's going to change any kind of offer. It's going to change financing. It's going to change the value, again, according to the eye of the beholder. So to me, something needs to happen. A determination needs to be made. And that's not a December or January determination. It's a the next two weeks determination. Now, what That's ab- how I've always felt. So go ahead. Now, what about the other side of it where maybe there's a potential that the incoming owner does want to be able to make that decision themselves? Maybe that incoming owner does want Juan Soto to be the face of their franchise that they're taking over. And that they want to be able to uh, make the decision with the next couple of years while he's still under contract to try to get him to stay. Don't you think that's also on the table? Yes, I do. And again, that's and that's what I'm saying. Whatever the resolution is, a new owner, like if I'm going to buy this organization, I'd love that. If I won Mega Millions today or tonight, last night, I still wouldn't have enough, but I could get a group together. If I was going to walk to the learners and say, I want to buy this organization— I need to know everything about Juan Soto. Absolutely. I need to know, do I have a chance at signing him, or is is that ship sailed, right? It, if I have to go to $600 million to sign the guy, because, again, think of the talking to Boris, spoke to Heyman, who spoke to us. I mean, us meaning, meaning the people. <laughs> if it's $43 bucks a year for 13, 14, 15 years, again, you're, you're now going to be over $600 million. I need to know that. I need to know if, if that's going into my my it's that's baked into my asking price. That's baked into my offer. I could want that. I could not want that. I mean, it all it all kind of depends. I personally would want it. I, I want Juan Soto. I think just think it's easier if you've got a Juan Soto, you sort of figure the rest out as you go. But any new ownership group, and that's going to maybe change who who wants to win the bidding. If it's if it's a cutthroat business person who does it, they'll go, no, that doesn't make sense. That's a necessarily depreciating asset. I don't want to be left holding the bag at the end. If somebody goes, oh yeah, I love baseball. I love that guy. I want him. I don't know how that's going to go. But to me, a resolution, one way or the other, even if it's not a signing on the dotted line, even if it's not an official commitment one way or the other, I would absolutely 100% have to know before I hand over my paperwork that's got every dollar and cent that I've got and every every holding and everything that I'm going to have to liquidate to hand over to the learners to buy this team, 
I need to know what the plan is for that guy. I don't need to know the plan for Patrick Corbin or Josh Bell. I don't need to know the plan for, for Kiba Ruiz or anybody else. This dude that stopped the sporting world because he's not going to sign a contract with the Nationals, and the eyes of sports were on him for these last couple of days. I need to know that guy's future, one way or the other. And I think that's I've always sort of felt that there's a fire lit here, and there's some urgency, and we might see something happen in these next couple of weeks. And uh, you have to look at the perspective of Juan Soto himself. Sure, you know, eventually and within the next couple of years, he's going to sign some huge, humongous contract and make a ton of money. So I don't know how bad you can feel for him, but just seeing him at the podium these last couple of days and having to answer these questions, having to answer the question right after winning the home run derby of what's your future going to be like, you just have to feel bad for the kid. Again, remember he's 23 years old and he's out here answering questions about why he turned down $440 million. It, you just have to feel bad for the kid. You know he's good. He's always got a smile on his face. Uh, you know That's what made Nationals fans fall in love with him was the, the joy that he brings to the game of baseball. And to see him have to go through this and, and, and have kind of that, that – you, you see a little bit of pain in his face when he's answering these questions from me, the media. It, it, it just sucks seeing this for him. And, and, and I know some fans will bristle at that, Darius. I, I, I hear you, and I'm – I certainly do empathize. I mean, again, I think of this, the question I've asked about this just generally. I want you guys to imagine this, if you're kind enough to listen to this podcast. Imagine you've got to go to another country where you don't speak the language. Imagine within 18 months, you've you've delved so hard into your lessons to learn that native language that you can then conduct radio interviews. When you first got to that country, you pointed to menu items. And now you're able to, to speak eloquently and powerfully and convey emotion and thought all while still being 23 years old. You know how much of a jackass I was when I was 23 years old? <laughs> I never would have been able to do any of this stuff. He's he's superhuman in that way. That magnetic personality just wins people over. That and the incredible ability, competitiveness, and the like. So, yes, I, he's going to make more money than than everybody listening put together for the rest of his life. And, and it's hard to feel empathy for someone that gets to play a kid's game for half a billion dollars at some point. But I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. He's in a tough spot. And... It's you know sort of the inevitable corollary, I think, of, of of being that good, having that much pressure on you, being that much of a focal point. It's you know it's something that I don't you know I, I think about my sons. I, I know my my uh, eight year old when he's twenty three will not be making that kind of a decision, you know. And and if he has to make a tough choice, I'll try to be there for him. And even if it doesn't mean everyone should stop and shed a tear, you know, for for the guy. But I know exactly what you're saying. I, I empathize with that you know that look on his face. I didn't like seeing that. No, you know what I mean. It's it's like that's like that's my baby boy. <laughs> Why, exactly. Who's making my baby boy mad? You know, I just I I couldn't help but feel that way. Uh, let's go to question two. If it doesn't happen in the next couple of weeks, and by the way, I just say it like it's a casual thing, like we're, like we're ordering Shake Shack. We we've accepted it at this point. We're just saying it. Something's happening. I'm talking about a trade of Juan Soto. <laughs> I mean, oh my god. Okay. If it doesn't happen these next couple of weeks, which, by the way, I think there's a great chance. I mean, it, it's really hard to thread the needle here. You need a, the perfect storm to happen. I don't know that it does. The Nationals rightfully here should have a very high asking price. No faults here if it doesn't happen the next couple of weeks. We do, do we feel that it, it, if it doesn't happen here before August 2nd, that it will happen this winter at some point, right, once the sort of the business of next year gets going? It, it's, it's tough to say, especially because – of how difficult things are going to get for him uh, if he is stuck on this team for the remainder of the season. He's not going to have any protection around him with Josh Bell and Nelson Cruz being gone. Not that Nelson Cruz has been helping at all. Uh, but 
it's it's going to get tougher, especially coming off of the All Star break being it basically went into the All Star break being one of the hottest players in baseball. It, I the the statistics are going to make it tough on him for the remainder of the season, and I I, I, I my hope is that throughout this remainder of the season there's at least one more offer. And that's something that I believe Hector Gomez or one of these other ESPN reporters has reported, that the Nats aren't officially done yet. They, there still is potential for another offer out there. And that's the hope. I'm pretty sure a lot of fans are going to hope that. There's at least one more offer within them uh, before the end of the season. But you, You've been – it's a good point by you. Yeah. That's something that you've, you've hit both times we've discussed this. And I've dismissed that, and I think incorrectly. I think you're right, and I think a lot of fans are too. So I want to acknowledge that. My question, and I ask this you know, uh, rhetorically to you guys listening, and I'll ask you this. What is your walkaway point? Darius Lerner, right? You're, you're put in charge. Because this, this is now ownership level, right? Of Mike course. Rizzo will go, whatever the, whatever the offer is, we'll sign it because he's a great player. If you're Darius Lerner and you're all of a sudden you know, part of the family and you're negotiating this, what's your point where you say, you know what, we, we probably can't do that much? I don't think I can get into the 40 per, mil, or 40 per year range the 40 mil per year range i don't think that's where i can get uh so that would probably be my walk away point i think we can creep into the into the low to mid 30s million per year i don't know if 40 mil per year is where i can is where i can get to at this point so that would be my walk away point what about you i thought about this because you have to also yep. t- take into it, it doesn't have to be 15 years. I know 15 uh, years is, is, a, is a benchmark. Because they want to spread it out, and again, they right. backloaded it. Again, that was according to an, an initial Heyman report. Um, Strasburg's going to make 35 per year for the next several years. I yeah. mean, many, many years. Don't know how that's going to affect things. So I can't have something below that if I'm Soto's camp. That's I, what I, I would think, right. So And they did. They offered that. They offered 29, which is below the 35. It's below the last year what Patrick Corbin is going to make. With all due respect to those guys, that's Juan Soto. He's more valuable than those guys, especially right now, this minute. Plays every day. So I st- I don't know that even I could do 40 for that long, right? Because if you do, if you go, let's say, 13 years times 40 mil, that's $520 million. Wow. That's a big and number. we got a sense, remember, Britt Giroli told us that even this offer, which had come up $90 million from the alleged first offer, which is three fifty, so now you're at four forty. Okay, I'm just talking total value. Forget AAV for a second. Total sure. value. That was still about $100 million off. So let's say 540 divided by what? 15? Okay, that's 36 a year. 540 divided by, call it 13, that's 41 a year. So if you split the difference of 540 divided by 14, I'm doing this calculator math right now. I'm sure it's riveting to you guys. That's 38 and a half a year, and that puts you right up towards the top. But that's still $5 million short of what Max Scherzer's getting AAV. And, and Boris and company will tell you, why would you be short of that in terms of annual average value? This guy should be paid like he's the best because he is. And I go, he, maybe he should be. But we can't do that. I, I think 40 may be my walkaway point. Yeah. That may be my walkaway point, regardless of, of of the length of the deal. And now, if he'll accept deferred money, my usually you know the usual learner playbook, maybe he could do that. Hopes that a TV deal works itself out at some point. But I know some of you guys are probably hearing this and going, "What the hell do you mean you're walking away? Are you crazy?" I'm just telling you. You look at payrolls, you look at teams like the Angels who are doing this, and at, with with Trout, and they've got Rendon, who's got the same offer basically as Steven Strasburg. They can't get out of their way. 
It's really hard for regular teams. I I, I want to stress this. There are there are teams that have different rules in all the sports, every sport, even hard 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 cap sports like the NHL and like the NFL. There are teams that are so cash rich. See the Los Angeles Rams that they look at your cap and they go nah 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 nah. nah. The rest of the league is like subject to rules, and they have to be able to keep a certain amount of, of money in escrow and any any contract they sign. They have to have the cash offset, all these different things. It doesn't affect the Rams. It affects everybody else, right? If you look at baseball, where there isn't a hard cap, it's this soft cap, and you pay a penalty, the Red Sox laugh at your penalty. They get enough from, from New England sports, the Nesson thing, with a bunch of homers going, the Sox, Kyle Yastrzemski, no math. Jason Veritek, bro. They get enough money from those guys to be able to pay whoever they want, whenever they want. They, they say wicked a lot. Yeah, wicked. they do. Now, they don't have to. They, they stupidly let Mookie Betts go for some dumb reason. They might let Raphael Devers go, by the way. Welcome to Washington. Please come on down and hit 320 with 40 bombs at playing great third base for us. That would make that would soften the blow. I'm just That'd offering some advice to anybody that wants to listen to it. Anyway, <laughs> the point is the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Mets, these teams don't have budgets. They don't. Now, they, they can be frugal if they want to be, as the Dodgers were for a little while. People have pointed that out correctly. But now they're going, okay, Clayton Kershaw's getting older. We got a window. Let's go. Whoever we want, whenever we want it. The rest of the of the baseball world, the extreme end of this is what the Rays do, is what the Oakland A's do. The, you know, the, Maybe the Royals are down there at the bottom, some of the low-revenue teams that have to kind of figure it out with, with guts and intellect and calculators and, and the like. But for everybody else... There's a money in, money out. For everybody else, there is a budget. There's a limit. And I know we always want to say, the lawyers are billionaires. That's absolutely true. Okay? And I know they've, they've lost some billions in, in their personal holdings and value over the last couple of years. I don't care about that. They'll be just fine. I ask you guys this. If you had two businesses, right? We're just talking about regular people. Regular people, regular businesses. If you had a bagel shop and a dry cleaner, and your dry cleaner was struggling, your dry cleaner wasn't making ends meet, but you, you believed in it. It's in a good location. You think it can do it, and you're struggling a little bit to, 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 to retain the best talent and do a good job with dry cleaning. Would you take money out of your retirement account? Would you liquefy your 401k? Would you sell your personal holdings if you got a couple bits of Apple stock that are paying dividends, those sweet, sweet dividends every quarter? By the way, love you, Apple. Would you liquefy those and inject it into the dry cleaning business? Of course you wouldn't, right? That's the same scale here. I know the learners are billionaires, but if you start tapping that vein, that coffer that they have, where you take asset after asset, you got to sell a building to pay for, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, a middling reliever. You've got to now, you know, fire a bunch of employees from uh, from a different business to make sure that you can, you know, give Juan Soto a signing bonus. I'm just telling you, that's not realistic. And again, nobody should cry poverty for them. They're fine when they sell this team; they'll have a couple billion dollars more than they did before. I'm just saying, business wise. You need a TV deal, you need gate revenue, you need to sell merch, and you need people to give a damn. And right now, none of those things are happening. So, I understand. I get how we got here. Pandemic sucked, Peter Angelos is a douche, and Major League Baseball made a terrible deal. So they are owed hundreds, you know, dozens, tens of millions of dollars in back money from TV stuff. They don't have it. Their hands are tied. I think that's why they're selling the team. Yes, Darius. You brought up Mike Trout. I think uh, Mike Trout is interesting. Do you think that Mike Trout has set the example for what the Nats don't want to get involved in? Because you look at Mike Trout's career so far, since he signed that contract, he has not once touched the playoffs. That team has barely been competitive over uh, over his years being in, in L.A. He's there until 2030. 
making $35 million a year at this point, $36 million a year, it looks like. Don't the Nats want to avoid that? I think don't that's the, the idea. Yeah, you don't want to have this superstar who's making $35, $40 million a year and to every finish night. in fourth place. Yeah, and, and it's not Trout's fault. Exactly, right. The same way it's not Soto's fault that they're 31 and 63 at the All Star break. It ain't Soto's fault they're 2 and 14 in July. No. The guy's been unbelievable <laughs> in July. So I don't know. And I know it sounds like I'm advocating trading the guy or, or getting rid of him. I, I just, I'm, I'm sort of at a point where I, I, my anger and my frustration at letting all these guys go over the years, I, I've kind of already given that. I've accepted that. And I'm looking at this one specific case, and I think, I, I, I well, I, I know, I know, I'm not that much fun to be around. Okay, <laughs> I understand. I'm, I'm pretty annoying. But this is one of those times where I hearken back to something I said before. Oh, that's annoying, man! Is that arrogant? That's so condescending. I apologize to everybody for listening to this, but bear with me, okay? Isn't that a, to quote me? That's what I'm doing right now. God, that's annoying. But here's it. Here's what it is, Dares. When you didn't pay Rendon. When you didn't pay Harper, when you didn't win the bidding for Harper, when you didn't win the bidding for Rendon, when you didn't really keep going down the Trey Turner route because there was always somebody else, I always said, you're not, you don't know if there's going to be somebody else. Each time it was easy to say, it's like, well, it doesn't matter with Harper because they've got, you know, Juan Soto's waiting in the wings and Adam Eaton can play right field every day. When you lose Trey Turner, well, uh, okay, Juan Soto and maybe Luis Garcia. There's nobody after this. There's nobody waiting to be next. Yeah. And the idea that someone will just manifest themselves, someone will just appear, that was foolish thinking. That's the old bird in the hand, two in the bush. And they went for the bush every single time. And now they're going to end up with nothing when it comes to superstar stuff. All right, so we didn't really cover the winner. Sort of that's the – I think we both generally think, not to put words in your mouth, that if something doesn't happen in the next couple of weeks – it will end up happening this winter. That's maybe the most likely situation. Yes or no? Yes. It's not. It's not. It's not. Well, as far as something happening, I hope what happens is a contract extension. Right. But I think yes. Is at that, the end of the day, because your contract point got to start on that on that side. Correct, Tangent, I right. just mean in terms of a trade. In terms of a trade, yes, I do think something does have to happen by the winter. I don't think they can let this go into next spring. So, topic three. Before we jump out of here and let Barry Faluga take us home. Big picture for Nats fans. Big picture for the organization. We talked about this without even knowing about the Soto stuff over the last couple weeks on this podcast. It was, don't look now, but this July is a massive month for the Washington Nationals. Ownership, we didn't consider Soto, but trade deadline, draft, development, futures game. This is a nice, let's take inventory here, 30,000 foot view. And right now it's kind of bleak, you guys. And then you add in that Soto element to it. What are fans going to be like? I, I mean, this organization, and you pointed this out very astutely, I think, this past episode, Darius. This is this is all still pretty new to us, right? For those of us like me that are, you know, lunatic baseball fans, I basically had to put my life in my hands and drive up to Baltimore during rush hour and park in a neighborhood and, and you know, pray that the 87 Toyota Corolla station wagon was still going to be there when we got back and then it would still have hubcaps. We went up to Baltimore. They didn't want us up there, but that's what we did. Because I just was obsessed with baseball. We got our own team here. Fans here. Kids haven't grown up to be adults yet so they could take their kids. We don't have what some of these baseball-rich 
marketplaces like St. Louis, where great grandfathers took grandfathers who took fathers who took sons, and you know gets passed down, and Boston and Philadelphia, New York, and even L.A. Now, honestly, Chicago, you don't have those institutional memories. We had our weird opening phase where you have the hardcore folks that are just, yep, I'm into it. Let's go to RFK and watch Vinny Castilla go one for six. I want to see Lasting's Millage and Jose Vidro and John Patterson, please and thank you. And I want an extra side of John Landon throwing 84 mile an hour sinkers. More Matt Chico, please. I'll go all day. Tim Reddick. The point is, Odell's Perez opening day starter. Rest in peace. We did that. You started to win fans when you started to get really good. It became the cool thing to do in town. Same way with the Capitals when they kind of rebooted to rock the red. It became cool. It became something you saw young people at. Young, attractive people, right? Not wearing that much because it's summertime. It was nice, right? Little t-shirt, little tank top. Look at you. You're cute. That goes for everybody. I believe they say sun's out, guns out. They do say that. There. Yes. Thank you very much. Handsome people, attractive, low body fat folks. Awesome. Became a thing to be. A place to be, right? Well, this is your first one of these. This is your first, oh my God, it's so bad, since they got good. This was inevitable. Maybe not this to this degree, but a World Series team that was, you know, average age of 34 or something like that, non-Juan Soto division. Yeah, Zim was going to retire. Max was going to leave. Strasburg was going to break down. Howie Kendrick was going to go. Adam Eaton wasn't going to be the same player. You, you can't keep throwing uh, Kurt Suzuki out there in his mid-30s. Jan Gomes is no longer here. That's a reference for those that know that know. You weren't going to be that same group in a couple years as you, you got your teeth kicked in during the pandemic. And then 2021, it was awful. The majority of that core were awful in 2021. You have a fire sale. This was always going to happen. Maybe not to this degree. We haven't dealt with this kind of a valley before. And I wonder how the fan, is, fan base is going to react. I think at some point, tangible progress has to be made at the major league level. for To be able to say... Look, fan of this team, there's something to look forward to. You could see that in 2011 when that group finished 80 and 81. They got rained out, so they didn't get a chance to be fully 500. But you could see the makings of something. I didn't know they'd win 98 games the following year. But you could see that this Zim, Geo, Detweiler, uh, Jordan Zimmerman, um, you know, Drew Storen on 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 the on, on the come, and and, and Steven Strasburg coming back from injury. You could, and Jason Worth hopefully being healthy. You could see something developing there in 2012 or in 2011 for that 2012 season. Sure enough, that's when they really started this run. You need something like that. You need a 2011 within the next couple of years. Yeah, the a, a glimpse of the future needs to be more immediate. We need to see. Guys like Cade Cavalli come up and show us, okay, cool. He is going to be somebody that I want to want to come to the ballpark and see every fifth day pitch. Uh, you know, we have to. I don't know if there's anybody offensively that can provide that, except for what we have right now in Luis Garcia and Juan Soto. So that's that's the struggle that I'm trying to figure out is where is the next where's that next group of people coming from offensively? And it sounds like it's going to come from yeah either yeah, a they're a ball right now, and that, <laughs> right. which means they're years away. Right. Um, Barry Saluga joined the Grant and Danny program from Los Angeles. He was there, an audience member, basically. You know, not even audience, but assembled media asking questions of Juan Soto and, and seeing the entire spectacle play out. He was fantastic. Wrote a great column in the Washington Post. In fact, has written a couple this week about Soto being the center of the sports universe. He joined Grant and Danny on Tuesday and was fantastic. Give it a listen. Here's Barry Fulugo of the Washington Post. 